The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Welcome to Summer in Story City. So glad you guys are here this morning. Let's be honest. When Chris came out, how many of you were singing Old Town Road in your head? You were, weren't you? You were. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry about it. It's all good. All right. Well, we're glad you guys are here this morning. We start a brand new series called Summer at Story City um, this morning. I'm excited for today. Uh, I really am excited for today. I got some, got some good stuff to tell you today. We're going to open up the Bible if you happen to bring a copy of it with you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 is going to be our passage this morning, but let me pray for us before we do so. Let me, let me give you a, a, an update too. Last week, I asked you to pray for Ileana Griffin. And this week, Ileana passed away after an 11-year battle with cancer. So if you know Ileana, if you ever listen to the podcast, uh, at 10 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. service, it's, it's her laugh that you hear. And she's battled for so long. And her husband, Patrick, is taking care of her so faithfully. And so I want you to encourage you to pray for Patrick and Naomi and Tyler. Uh, there's going to be a celebration service that's going to happen. We'll let you know. It's going to be a while before that happens, but we'll fill you in. Uh, there's also a meal train happening. And I think most of the spots are already taken. But if you have any interest, you can stop by the Connect table and see Sherry Murphy. Um, and she has that info for us. Now, let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in this morning. God, thank you for today. We don't take it for granted. It's never happened before. It will never happen again. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hands and feet to move in the direction that you would speak to us this morning. God, thank you for our calling as a church in this city. God, may you find us faithful with the gospel where there is no other name in our city that we promote, desire, seek, but Jesus, Lord. And so this morning, as we speak, as we listen, as we read, God, speak to us, encourage us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I was thinking this week about the seasons of life. I, uh, I spoke at a summer camp this week at Thousand Pines, just about an hour and a half from here. So I was with about 300 students all week long. And I was just thinking about the seasons of life. And I was thinking about when I was a, uh, an elementary kid and a middle school kid, how uh, my mom did everything for me. She woke me up multiple times a day. Uh, she bought my clothes for me. When I was really younger, she combed my hair for me when I went to school. Uh, my dad worked a job to put food on the table. When I was in elementary and middle school, even a high school kid, somebody else took care of me. And then I graduated high school, went off to college. Some of you guys are in college or going to college, or some of you guys skip college and you're pursuing a career. And now you're, now you're single or, or you, and you have freedom. And, and now the new season of life mandates that, that, that you're responsible for you. You can do whatever you want to do. Nobody's telling you what to do. If you want to work a minimum wage job and it pays the bills, work a minimum wage job. If you want to eat Lucky Charms, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, eat Lucky Charms, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you want to play video games all night, wake up at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, you can do it. Nobody's telling you what to do. And then after that season of life typically comes a marriage season of life, and now somebody is always judging you, and now you are... <laughs> Not my wife. She's sweet and kind and gracious, but probably your spouse. But, uh, but, but somebody's always judging you, and, and now you got to take a shower more than once uh, every three or four days, and you're responsible for somebody besides yourself. And then you get 
And you have married and then you get married with kids and then it's like, man, you're responsible for the Titanic sinking. Like, I mean, like all the responsibility of life feels like it falls on you. It's not just you anymore. It's not even you and your wife. Now you got three other mouths to feed and there's a lot of responsibility that falls on you. And I was thinking this morning as I'm preparing to share with you guys that every new season requires something different. Every new season requires something different. And we're about to enter into a brand new season as a church. And it's going to require some things that are similar to us and familiar to us that we've done in the past, but it's going to require some different things from us as a church. And I want to speak to you this morning as I'm thinking about this new season of life and ministry that we have at Story City Church. There are three convictions that I have about the next season of ministry at Story City Church. I want to share those with you this morning. Five years ago, when we entered this journey of planting a church, before we ever moved out here, there was a mentor in my life. He was in his mid-60s. His name is Bill Wellens, and he uh, pastored a church for over 30 years, very successfully, very faithfully. And um, as he's mentoring me as I'm preparing to plant a church, he pointed me to a passage in Ephesians chapter 3. And that passage has helped shape me in this season of ministry. And that's the passage I want to start with this morning. As I share with you three convictions for this next season of ministry. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. This is what the scripture says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with God's people, his church, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul's praying here for the spiritual strength of the church at Ephesus to do the work and the calling to which they were called to and to which they were employed. The first conviction I have this morning, I want you to write it down. I believe at Story City Church, we have a great calling. I believe we have a great calling at Story City Church. My prayer for you this morning my prayer for us this morning is that God would strengthen you much more than you are at the present because God's given us a great calling, strength and grace, both in receiving grace, strength and giving grace, strength in resisting temptation and honoring God, strength and faith in the gospel and as the satisfaction of your soul, strength and just simply stamina, to serve God with joy. And I just want to say to you this morning, the strength that I'm praying for you and for us is not strength that we produce in and of ourselves because we're talented, because we're skillful. It's not strength that we harness because we went to a, a conference or an event or somebody mentored us or trained us. This is a strength that I'm praying for you and for us that comes from the power of God filling us with his spirit to accomplish his purpose in his city. And Paul says, according to his riches, according 
to his riches. I, I preached seven messages in four days this week. I woke up on Friday morning and my throat was sore. I felt like I had the flu and it was confirmation. I'm fully out of youth ministry. <laughs> my body was completely weak. Last night I was praying, God, I don't even know if I can stand up for two services and preach. I'm, my throat was still sore this morning. There are times when I run out of energy. There are times when I run out of resources and, and wisdom and strength, but listen to me, church, but the well of God never runs dry. He never lacks an abundant ability to give us strength for today. You can write this down. God has a supernatural way of never growing tired, of supplying his strength when we ask for the Holy Spirit's power. God has a supernatural way of never growing tired, of supplying his strength when we ask for the Holy Spirit's power. But we get tired, right? We, we experience fatigue. And I want to say to you this morning, church, I'm praying this prayer for you. I'm praying this prayer for us in the next season of ministry. Let me tell you why. I've been convicted recently. I have been convicted that I haven't called more of you to give your lives for the work of the gospel in our city. And there's a lot of reasons and excuses why I've passed that off. They're, they're too tired. Uh, they, they, they'll never commit. Uh, they've got their own agenda. They got their own careers. They, they've got their own dreams. And so I've hesitated to call you to a life of surrender. Even if that means your career. I've known what God's called us to here in LA since he called us to plant a church and, and sent Tyler and I out to plant a church in Burbank, California. But listen, I'm just confessing to you this morning, I've wrongly assumed that God would have to supply our needs for what he wanted to do outside of our city because very few people here would give up their careers, give up their dreams to follow God in a dangerous calling. And I need to repent to you today for that. I've not lived up to part of my calling in asking you to consider whether God may be asking more of you than what you're doing. When I was in ninth grade, I had to write a paper. Some of you have heard this story. And they wanted us to write a paper on a profession. And um, I chose, uh, just randomly, accounting and I shadowed our family's accountant for a full day and I wrote a paper on accounting. I did a lot of research on accounting. And what I realized was accountants, CPAs that do taxes typically work about four months out of the year. They really work more than that, but most of their work is four months out of the year. And then our family's accountant would go to Edisto Beach and he would, you know, lived in a big house and drove a nice car. And I thought, wow, this is, this is kind of what I want to do. And so, um, and so in ninth grade, I thought I want to be an accountant. I think that's kind of weird, but I wanted to be an accountant. Nobody, I don't think anybody ever says I want to be an accountant, but I did. And so from ninth grade until I was 
a junior in college, I pursued accounting. I majored in accounting. I joined the accounting honors fraternity. I, um, I, I interviewed with big six firms. And then a man that I can't even remember his name was used by God to open the scriptures one night in a gathering of students of which I was a leader to speak to me from Matthew chapter nine, verse 35 through 38. And that passage says, Jesus went through all the towns and all the villages and he was teaching in the synagogues and he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, this struck me. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. I can't explain it to some of you in a way that it may make sense to some of you tonight, but I knew God was calling me out. He was sending me away from my desired future as an accountant into a life of full-time ministry. And God's not doing that for everybody here, and that's not what I'm suggesting to you this morning, but I wonder if God would do that to some of you. I wonder... If God is calling some of you to leave this dream which you've been chasing for so long, some of you even moved to LA for, and, and, and to change your course into full-time ministry. Some of you this morning are, 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 are future church planners. Some of you this morning are future youth pastors. Some of you this morning are future, future children's ministers. Some of you this morning are future executive pastors. Some of you are missionaries this morning to another country who will use your job as a platform for starting churches. But that's not everybody this morning. And every, God doesn't call everybody to a full-time vocational ministry role. But God does call all of us to give ourselves to the body of Christ. And God is calling some of you to wake up and to engage his church and his body here in Los Angeles, California, and to find your place to belong. And I repent before you today for not calling you to that, to give your life to that. Here's why. I, I fell under conviction recently. I shared it with our staff. I think about people in our city whose jobs are asking so much from them who are stretching them in, in so many ways. I fell under conviction that, that this city and our jobs are asking more of us than we're willing to give to the body of Christ and to his glory. And so this morning, I believe we have a great calling and I'm praying that out of the riches of Christ, he would strengthen you with joy and desire to serve his church, to engage in the work of God in the body of Christ in our city. For some of you, that means you, honestly, I met a new guy this morning who's volunteering on a prayer. Some of you, um, that means you, you honestly may need to humble yourself and, and get up at 6 a.m. and help our production team. Some of you may need to engage in a ministry role, a kids' ministry Student ministry. Some of you may need to attend Financial Peace University and get your finances in order. Some of you may need to take the next step of obedience in baptism. And this is a strong message this morning and challenge to our church. Let me tell you why. God's given us a great calling in the city. God's given our church a great calling in our city. But listen, I know, because I've been in ministry long enough, that some of you are skeptical and you're not sure about this challenge. So let me finish out this passage. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or even imagine according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and always and ever. Amen. Do you see how Paul describes God here? You see how Paul describes God here? There is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God. I want you to write this down. There is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God, which the prayers of his people can never cause to run dry. You're like, Pastor, I don't, I don't have the strength. I'm giving too much to this production job I'm working. Pastor, I don't have the strength. I'm traveling all week with, with my job. I don't have the time to give to the body of Christ. I'm telling you this morning, there is an inexhaustible fullness that is available to you this morning where God will fill you and he will flood you and he will never run dry when we ask him for it. I believe this morning, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is a description of a church that has great faith in a great God to do great things in extraordinary and unexplainable ways. Do you know what I believe 3, 20, and 21 says to us? Number one, we've got a great calling. Number two, we need great faith in this next season of life and ministry. Do you believe God can do more through you? Do you believe God can do more through our church Some of you are uneasy with that statement in itself, but I promise you, you don't think that about your own job. You want God to do more in your job. You want God to do more in your family. But do you believe God can do more through our church? Do you believe God can do more in this city? Here's what I am convicted of and convinced of. Story City has been built through Christ and his power on the shoulders of people who have made great sacrifices to start what we have. We're only three and a half years old. It's been built by people all over this auditorium who stood up and said, I want to be a part of what God is doing, even if I have to make some sacrifices, even if I have to leave my comfort zone. People ask all the time, I was asked this week, Matt, what do you think is the reason that your church is grown in Los Angeles. I was told before I ever moved to Los Angeles by a guy who helped plant churches in Los Angeles that I should not expect that God would do something amazing and great in our city. I was dumbfounded. And so I get asked often, asked this week, what do you believe the reason your church is growing? The right answer is this. The ultimate answer is that God has chosen to do it. It's his power. It's his spirit. It's what he's chosen to do. We've committed to community and outreach and and developing leaders and God's word. But one of the things that's rarely talked about is this idea of bold faith that's willing to take risk. And we just said that from the very beginning. That's who we're going to be. If you go to Discover Story City class tonight, and you should, you will hear one of the core values is being fearless in the fight. It's a statement of taking God-honoring risk. I'm so inspired by some of you. I tell often, tell you often in this city, those of you who move here without a job, without, without housing, and you're pursuing a dream, I'm a risk taker. But to see some of you taking those risks, I'm inspired by it. Story City was built on people taking God-honoring risk. It's who we have been for four years and a half years. We just go all in. We go big or we go home. We have big faith. We, we don't have faith in ourselves, by the way. 
We don't have faith in our sermons and our strategy and our, and our resources. We don't have faith in our abilities and our, our skills. Let me tell you, church, we have faith in a God who promised he wants to do abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. That's who we have faith in. That's what we have faith in. Because we have so little to offer this process. If you remember Matthew chapter four, God called Peter and Andrew. They were working the family business in Matthew chapter four. They were older teenagers. And what we know from the life of a Hebrew teenager is that they were working in the family business. Then they didn't make the cut at 10 years old to be invited into the next stage of being mentored by a rabbi. They were B team. They were the junior varsity Jewish boys who did not make the cut. And so they started in the family business rather than pursuing a life of religion and full-time ministry. And what we learn from the lesson of Peter and Andrew that Jesus is teaching us in Matthew chapter four is that the weakest person with God's power is infinitely greater than the strongest person without it. Some of you this morning are like, man, I'm just, I don't know if I can do it. I'm just not educated. I'm just not smart enough. I'm just, I'm just introverted. I'm just, I'm introverted. I'm just not this. Listen to me. The weaker you are, the stronger God's power can be displayed in you. And we believe God wants to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And it requires great faith. One of my convictions for this next season of ministry is that we need great faith. In 2014, the question that we asked God was, God, what do you want from us in planning a church in Los Angeles? I believe God's answer to that question was, I don't want you to plant a church. I want you to plant pregnant. What do you mean by that? I mean, when we started Story City Church in Burbank, we started pregnant. We started knowing we were going to birth another church in the near future. I believe that God said, I don't want you to plant one time. I want you to plant over and over and over and over again. I want you to focus on multiplication, not addition. And if that bothers you, then you need to read about 40 verses in the book of Acts that describe the multiplication that happened. And so when we moved to L.A., we had this vision. We had this vision to plant a church that would start other churches, that would start other churches, that we would be the father and the mother and the grandfather and the grandmother to churches all over our city. And we believed when we came here that there were at least five different locations that we identified around L.A. where we would plant churches. West Valley, the Thousand Oaks area, West L.A., Beaches, East LA, Silver Lake, Los Feliz, we believe that those are the areas. And if you draw those on a map and you can connect all the dots, they sort of look like a ring around the city of Los Angeles, a church planting movement, a gospel movement that has strength and is serving the city for the betterment of the city so that one person could come to faith in Jesus. So we asked the what. And after you ask the what, you should ask the how. That's the record of Acts 13.3. It says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, you see, they were asking God, what? They were asking God, what? The Holy Spirit then said, here's the house, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. 
They asked God for the what. God answered the what and then answered with the how. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What God? Plant churches. How? Paul and Barnabas. How do we accomplish, God, what you've asked us? Can I say to you this morning, when the how comes before the what, there's a possibility that we walk in front of God. When we ask how we're gonna do something before we ask God what he wants us to do, there's a possibility that we get ahead of God. We become preoccupied with how we're gonna do something before we ask God what he wants us to do. We're in danger of leading from our own desires. But we knew when we planted Burbank, we were soon gonna plant another church. I want you to look around this morning. Now feel the freedom to look around, as awkward as it may be. Your neighbor, person behind you, to the left of you, front of you, the back of you. We could fill a whole week telling stories of what God has done. There's a family that's being cared for even today in the loss of a loved one because of what God has done. Thank you, God, for what you have done. Can we thank God for what he has done? Can we thank God this morning for what he has done? Let's look ahead to what God wants to do. Last December, we cast a vision on Vision Sunday for the beginnings of a new community group in Santa Clarita that would hopefully become a new church there. And so for the last five months, we've been pursuing and planting, uh, planning to start a church in Santa Clarita. But in the last three months, we've had an Acts 16 change of plans. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 and Timothy and Luke had been planning to take the gospel east to Asia. Um, they're in Turkey and they had planned to go east to Asia, but, but, but what happened was their plans got changed. The Holy Spirit of God redirected their course. Read with me in Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. By the way, they planted churches there. It's what God called them to do. The how was God sent Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Timothy, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul uh, had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Listen to what they said, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. When God changes our course, it requires sacrificial humility and generosity. When God changes our course, it requires sacrificial humility and generosity. Here's my third conviction for our church in the next season. We need great humility and great sacrifice. Listen, church, when God does something new, it requires something different from us. We can't just stay where we are and expect to go with God at the same time. We can't just live in the past and the glory of the moment and talk about what God did and be part of the new thing that he wants to do. I was contact, contacted by someone working with 
First Baptist Church of Granada Hills, the last week of September this past fall. And they said to me, there was a church here that has died. By the way, every year there's 4,000 churches in America that die. They cease to exist. They cannot sustain themselves. They're, they try and they try and they try. And then they finally just cease to exist. It's the story of every church of all time. There's not a single church that still exists today that existed 2,000 years ago. Every church has a season of life and ministry, and that season comes to an end. There will be a time in the future, and I don't know when that is. Story city's life and season of ministry will come to an end. Every year, 4,000 churches in America die. They perish. And let me tell you what happens. Some of those churches decide they'll just sell the property and they will allow a developer to come in and build condos and apartments and homes on top of the property. That's a tragic scenario. Because the kingdom of God, especially in cities like Los Angeles, will never regain that asset and that kingdom resource ever again, especially in a city like LA. But then there are some of those 4,000 churches who demonstrate great humility and great sacrifice and great boldness of faith. And they say, we've had our season of ministry, much like First Baptist Church of Granada Hills, 70 years of ministry. And with great boldness and great faith and great humility and great sacrifice, sometimes those churches say, we're no longer existing, but the gospel still lives on. And so when I was contacted last September, last fall, I told them, it took me less than a week to call them back and say, I've prayed about it and this is not for us. We're pursuing a church plant in Santa Clarita, but we will pray for you. Um, three months ago in late March, they called back again. <laughs> they called back again. And they asked me to prayerfully consider starting a new church in Granada Hills at the existing location of First Baptist Church of Granada Hills. And so I told them, we will commit to pray for it, but we won't commit to anything else at this time. And so... We were three months into preparing to plant a church in Santa Clarita. And so I said, you know what? I'm just going to drive up there and drive the area and see what God may be doing. I met with the interim pastor and two other pastors, as well as the California Southern Baptist Convention on April the 27th. And in that meeting, they said, we want you to come in. We want your church to come in and start a brand new church here. And I told them, we would pray about it, but if they wanted people and resources, then it had to be something brand new. Do you understand the principle here? When something has died, you cannot resurrect it. And we were unwilling to put new wine in old wineskins in the existing situation. If they wanted something, if they wanted people and resources from us, it had to be a brand new start. The very next Sunday, I missed two Sundays in May because I was preaching in Granada Hills on May the 5th. And I preached there on May the 5th. And then that day they decided that on the 26th of May, they would take a vote whether or not they were going to officially close their doors and what they were gonna do with the property. And so I preached there on May the 26th. We facilitated a question and answer time with them after the service. One of our elders was there with me. And after that question and answer time, First Baptist Granada Hills in great faith, 
great boldness, great humility, great sacrifice, voted to officially dissolve their church and give us the property to restart a second campus of Story City Church in Granada Hills. There were 21 people in that meeting. Those people had to step out in bold faith and humility. We were told when this process began, it's not a good situation. I was told by the interim pastor, I've done this for 24 years. This is the most difficult challenge I've ever had in 24 years of doing this very thing. And so honestly, through all this process, I thought, okay, God, you may be leading us here, but I never allowed my heart to get excited about what God was doing until May the 26th, when the church voted nearly unanimously to dissolve, become a part of Story City Church because they wanted to be a part of something new. Why? So that the gospel would go forth. People like Ruby Kirby, 90 years old, Ruby Kirby, When I preached there May the 5th, she told me that she and her husband were there when the church was built almost 70 years ago. They funded, they gave to build the church building they had on that property. Her son and daughter-in-law were there that Sunday. And after the message, they came up to me and said, we need a church here that's gonna reach our community. When I did a question and answer on May the 26th, Miss Ruby asked a question about the piano and the organ. And I said, Miss Ruby, we, we, we play a keyboard every Sunday, but we don't use a piano and an organ. 90 years old, Miss Ruby Kirby said, it's more important to reach people than it is to have a piano or an organ. Bold faith, great humility, extraordinary sacrifice. People like Bruce, currently leading worship, been in leadership, trying to help hold the thing together. was told that he was very skeptical of the church doing something different. After the vote, he enthusiastically said, I'm in. And by the way, I play the bass guitar professionally if you need me. Bold faith, great humility, extraordinary sacrifice. I want to show you a couple pictures of First Baptist Granada Hills. It's a beautiful 400-seat Auditorium. There's another picture there, sort of a wide angle view. Beautiful 400 seat auditorium. They owe no debt on the property. They owe nothing to anyone. We've already been given a substantial commitment to renovate this property. We've already had one of our partners that's committed $125,000 to renovate this in one email, in one phone call. Listen to me, church. God has given us a great calling, but we've seen this before. Fellowship Church of Burbank. One of the gospels still have a legacy in downtown Burbank. Started around the same time by a group of people from Oklahoma. 15 people left, voted and said, we want the gospel to continue. Bold faith, great humility, extraordinary sacrifice. Those people are still with us. Those people are now serving. So in November of this year, 
we will launch our first campus of Story City Church in Granada Hills. Give God a hand. This morning, one of our elders is with the remaining members of First Baptist Church Granada Hills. He's walking them through our Discover Story City class material. In July, we're gonna ask them, just like we did with fellowship, we're gonna ask them to worship with us in July. We're gonna rent a van. Many of them are seniors. They're gonna come over. They're gonna worship with us in July. Church, let me ask something from you. I'm asking you to do the same thing with the Granada Hills family that we did with Fellowship Church's family. I want you to make them feel a part of our family. Granada Hills is us. When 90-year-old Ruby Kirby comes in with fingers in her ears. We need to love her. Embrace her. So let me just do a few things, give you a timeline and answer a few questions and let me close and call you to one thing, two things, maybe eight things, we'll see. <laughs> let me give you a timeline of what's happening here. Third, fourth week of July, we're hosting mission teams who will come into town. They're gonna do outreach. We're hosting a vacation Bible school in Granada Hills. We're gonna help get the word out in the third and fourth week of July. The first week of August, we will begin meeting with a core team there. The people that currently exist, some of you, you hear me? Some of you, people from the community, I've already heard from people in Granada Hills. They've heard what's going on and they've already reached out and said, I want to be a part of what God is doing there. September and October, we're going to host the preview service. In November, we will launch a brand new Story City campus. Now, let me give you a few questions that I know you're asking. Number one, we're not moving to Granada Hills. We're not moving to Granada Hills. Number two, Burbank will still exist. Uh, I'm anticipating the emails already. This church will continue on like we have done. There will be two separate campuses, two campuses under one church in two different places. Number three, we're hiring a campus pastor for that campus. That campus pastor will lead the staff, he'll lead the volunteers there. He will lead that campus. He will be a staff member of Story City Church. He will preach every week there. He will fall under the leadership of myself and our elders. Number four, we still love Santa Clarita. <laughs> and we will plant a church there soon. I know there's a lot of questions you may be rolling through your mind and we're gonna, including what are we gonna do with the Burbank property? We had an extraordinary meeting. I left so encouraged. The most encouraging elder meeting I've ever been a part of was yesterday morning at 7 a.m. So encouraged by that team. So we talked about what are we gonna do with our current property in Burbank? We're gonna answer some of those questions for you. If you are a partner at Story City Church, we have a meeting next month. You'll receive an email if you're a partner and we'll have a meeting for you guys next month in July to tell you what's our preferred future there along with other questions and answers. Now, I want to invite you. 
into this great calling to have great faith, demonstrate extraordinary sacrifice and humility. It's going to require some of us to sacrifice our personal preferences. It's going to require some of us to sacrifice financially. It's going to require some of us to sacrifice our time. But I want to invite you into a greater calling here at Story City. I want you to take your next step. I want you to go deeper. I want to ask some of you to consider moving over to Granada Hills. Some of you live closer over there. Some of you are living in Santa Clarita anticipating a church plant. Maybe good for you to be a part of the genesis of something new in anticipation of what we believe will happen in Santa Clarita. One of our elders has already committed to be a part of the Granada Hills campus. Maybe you want to be a part of something new. Now let me say this and I'll close. This is not an invitation to be a part of some sort of religious institution that acquires properties and, and buildings and attracts large crowds. That's not what this invitation is about. It's an invitation to be a part of a family that reaches people one person at a time. And we will never stop doing it. Never stop doing it. This is not an invitation to come to church once a month and then rush out to avoid traffic. It's an invitation to come and engage in the life of this church. It's not an invitation to join a cruise ship where all of your needs and, and desires and wants are met. It's an invitation to be a part of this rescue ship that we, where we set aside our comforts and our desires and put ourselves at risk to save one more person so they can become all that God has for them. God has a great calling in our church. I believe the evidence of that is his provision in the life of Story City Church. And I want to invite you into that. Let's pray. God, there are days and times when things just don't make sense, Lord. And there are seasons of provision and, and, and abundant supply, God. And Lord, we rejoice. That's one of these seasons. But God, we rejoice in every season. And so God, I want to pray that you would find this body faithful with your provision in this season, God. There's no other name but Jesus. No other name but Jesus, God. God, may you plant and establish faithful, gospel, Jesus-exalting church in Granada Hills. God, would you continue to help people in Burbank, surrounding cities, experience all that you have for their life, God. May we be that church, and may we never stop doing it. God, may you call people in this church, in this room, this auditorium, this hour, those listening later. God, would you call them to greater sacrifice, great humility, bold faith, this next season of ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.